Well, eight years ago, I got the greatest idea, and I thought this is going to be the vacation of all vacations. It is time. Time for us to go to the place where everybody wants to go in Southern California. The, the, what we would consider the ultimate vacation destination for every child, every uh, adult, little, that might be a little bit odd, uh, a brony. Just kidding. <laughs> but this is the vacation that we're going we're gonna to make it happen. I have a six-year-old, I have a four-year-old, and I have a two-year-old. What better place to take them, take them to the ultimate amusement park where everybody wants to go every single year and it's packed with people? Starts with a D and ends with Disneyland. <laughs> Disneyland. We're going to take them to Disneyland. Six-year-old, four-year-old, two-year-old. My, I know. My expectations are legit. They're up there. I'm thinking this is going to be the vacation of all vacations. I can't wait to share with them what we are going to do. This is going to be perfect. They are going to love it. They're going to get Mickey Mouse tattoos across their backs. They are going to be uh, like ride or die kind of people. This is going to be perfect. And they're going to be able to last for 10 straight hours in Disneyland. Um, what do you expect out of life? Like, like when you think of life, what do you think about? How do you uh, process that question? How, like, what is it about life that, that you want to achieve and, and that you have a high expectation for? You want to go all out for? Is it that, that you want your finances to be a certain number? That you want your kids to, uh, there, there's so many kids you want to have in the home, and, and what are they going to act like, and what school are they going to go to, and what career do you want to have, and where do you want to live, and what neighbors do you want to have, and what do you want in a spouse, and, and, and all of those things full of life. What does it mean to have a full life? We all have expectations of a full life. We all have an understanding or a thought towards what it means to have a full life. If you're a child, if you're a teenager, if you're an adult, whoever you are, everybody has this idea of what a full life might look like. And then it hits reality. My Disneyland reality. People hate strollers. That's what I've discovered. People get annoyed at strollers. We didn't have a single stroller. We were the genius parents with a double stroller. The, uh, yeah, trying to go through lines and waves of people with a double stroller, I discovered very quickly people don't move for strollers. They expect the stroller to move with the child in it. Doesn't matter if the child falls out. You better move your stroller because I am walking. As well as I learned in reality my kids were not tall enough pretty much to ride the teacups or Mr. Toad's Wild Ride or the Dumbo Ride or the, even the carousel. And on top of that, after about an hour, they melted. Com they were gone completely. And me being the frustrated parent who spent a lot of money on tickets, I was like, no, you've got to make this. And they were like, no, Dad, we are not making this. And so we go back to where we were staying, and they had a blast in the pool. The pool was their funnest, that was the funnest thing in the world to them was the swimming pool. 
and and I'm still fuming. I'm thinking, my expectations are still up here, little kids. We're going to go. I will leave you. I will at least go to Disneyland. Like, I'm still thinking we're going to make it. We are going to make this a worthy trip to Disneyland. And so after hours of, of pool time, we got back into the car. That, well, we actually walked because we were close enough. Got into the stroller, got back to the park. And here's what I discovered. And here's one of the stupidest things that Disney has ever done in their life. They herd you out like cattle at the end of the night. You ever been in that at Disneyland? Like if you stay for the full time, they begin to lock off sections of the lands and kind of weave you in and they push you and you're now stuck with the crowd shoulder to shoulder and you're just going forward. Your, your feet are probably not even touching the ground because they're pushing you out so drastically fast that they just want you out of their park. They just don't care. Get out of my park. Come back tomorrow, pay more. Experience that one. Discovered Disneyland and toddlers don't mix at all, do they? Worst, probably one of the worst moments of family vacation in my mind. Liz might be different, but in my mind, it wasn't that great of an experience. It wasn't. And I think about this, that, that my expectations were completely shattered and, and ripped apart, and they were destroyed, and they were stolen, and they were blown up. My concept of having a full moment with my family in a theme park that I was told from childhood because I grew up in Southern California until I was 13, and it was in my backyard. So for the most part, I grew up in Disneyland thinking, my kids are going to enjoy this, and realizing very quickly, I was not happy. This was not fun. This was stolen. This was, this was a joyless moment for me. And I think for all of us, Everybody on this planet, there's times we live in the first half of this verse more than the second half of this verse. You know what the first half says? If you went to it, you saw it. The first half says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life to the fullest. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I think we live more in that phase of life, that spot. And, and all of us, when we think of full life, where do we get these ideas of what a full life looks like? Do we get it from culture? Do we get it from friends and, and family and background and, and economic status and, and bosses and, and schooling and, and you name it? Where do we get these ideas? And we, we create all of these ideas from all of these sources. And we say, well, this is the amount of money I'm going to make. And this is my spouse. And these are my kids. And this is going to be my, my job. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't last and it doesn't happen that way. And what happens? We feel jaded and stuck and, and unjoyful, un un if that's a word. We feel just lost. I, I would say that there's a lot of times as parents, you feel lost. You feel like parenting isn't cracked, uh, like it's not all that it's cracked up to be. This isn't what it, it should be, or I was told it was going to be like, or even in a, in a job, you might have been there. Well, I didn't think that this was going to be like this. That when I applied for this job, I assumed it was going to be a lot different, and school was going to be a lot different, and, and I thought I would actually have money to be able to spend and do the things that I want to do, and then we get stuck. And, and I'm not saying you could be having a full, satisfying, amazing life right now. 
great, and I'm happy for you. But I can guarantee you haven't had it that way all the time, and I can guarantee you have it that way all of the time. So all of us have fallen in or are in that place where we feel stuck, jaded, numb, robbed, all of the above. And this is a great sermon, right, for Father's Day? It's because we've been robbed. We've been robbed. Well, I think it's important to really discover what a full life is like. We first have to discover what it's not like. What this, this numbness or jaded or unfulfilling life, well, what, what is happening to us? Why is this happening to us? Well, it first says a thief. Break this down. Let's, let's chew this for a second. The thief. Well, he only comes to do these things. Who is the thief? Well, it's Satan. He is the thief. He's the one that completely wants to destroy every single one of you. He wants to ruin you. He wants to, to destroy your marriage and your kids and your life and your schooling and everything that you have. He wants to annihilate. He's the thief. And I think it's important to recognize who he is. Well, did you know that Jesus uses uh, a different word for thief than thief? Uh, kind of. Same meaning, but he actually uses the word klepto. Klepto. He seriously calls Satan a klepto. He's a kleptomaniac, which tells you a lot about who he is and his character, how cunning and, and evil and wicked and how psycho he really is. Like he can't help himself, but he desires so, so badly. He has an addiction to rob you of everything that, that is good in your life. And he does it so cunningly that he has everything out of your pockets and he's gone around the corner before you even realize. And I think a lot of the times when we give our lives to Jesus, we have this assumption, well, I'm good to go. I'm going to leave my windows open and my doors unlocked and everything is going to be great. Nothing's ever going to be stolen from my life because I'm secure in heaven, right? That, like we get this idea in the church. Um, I don't think that Jesus would talk about who you have as an enemy like this if everything was going to be okay and you were completely protected for life. I, I don't think he would. He's telling you no. Still lock your, your windows. Still lock your doors. Still look out and, and protect yourself from who wants to rob you and rip you off. And then what does the thief do? He first steals, doesn't he? He steals. Well, what does he steal? He steals everything that is treasure to you, everything that is good in you, everything that is placed in you by the Holy Spirit, that is peace that is joy, that is fulfillment, that is satisfaction, that is kindness, that is strength, that is perseverance, that is grit, that is tenacity, that is so much of God's goodness. He wants to steal that from you and take it from you. He wants to rip it out of your hands. Why? Because it's good. He wants to annihilate anything that is good. And he wants to eradicate anything that is of God. So if God has given it to you, he wants to take it from you. He, wants, he doesn't want you to have it. He doesn't. Not feeling like you have a full life? Well, maybe you've been robbed. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe you have somebody coming against you. And you know what he does? He even goes as far, not just to steal, it says to kill. Now, uh, when we think of the word kill, we think of like taking somebody's life, right? like blood and guts kind of a thing. That's what we think about. That's not actually what Jesus uses here. He uses another word. He uses a word for sacrifice. When he says kill, he's saying that the thief actually wants you to sacrifice and give up things. 
So if he can't take it from you, what he's trying to do is he's trying to stress you out and pressure you and push you so, 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 so much that you just give up to kill any joy in you, right? We've all been there. We, some of us have had bosses where we're like, we can't stand being under this individual. They are so difficult and they are so hard and they pressure me and this job is nothing like I thought. And what do we do? Well, I'll just find another one. I'll just give up. I'll sacrifice that job for another. Maybe I'll get a better job. I don't know. But then you also have scenarios where people do it in relationships. Where they're like, I fight with this person so much they, that they're supposed to be my spouse and I'm married to them. No, no, this is too difficult. The pressure's too hard. We can't get through this issue. Blah, blah, blah. All of these things boil up and boil up and boil up. And what does the thief want you to do? Give up. Just give up. It's not worth it. You feel out of love. Ah, it's not worth it. Or, you know, you don't need to be around those kids. They're too difficult for you. Give up on them too. Give up on your friends. Give up on school. Give up on this. Give up on that. He wants you to sacrifice everything that is good in your life. And then what does the thief also do? Steal, kill, destroy. What is destroy? To annihilate, to ruin, to waste, to trash, to dump. It is that he will push and push and push to where you will question anything and everything in your life. Most people, when they get to this place, they can't take living that they will give up on life. Or they'll give up in another way by going to a substance. We've all known people that way too. I can't take this so much so that I'm willing to just numb out every day of my life. It's not worth it. I'll just give up on life by numbing out. And the idea of a full life seems unthinkable, uncomprehensible. No way. No way. Life is tough, isn't it? But there's a second half to that verse. Even though a lot of us live in that first half, I think there's a second half that we have to pay attention to. And it says in that, I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. I have come. Who came? Did you come? No, you didn't. Jesus did. God did to give you joy, to give you peace, to give you fulfillment, to give you satisfaction, to give you hope, to give you an extraordinary, amazing life. life you, okay, so he says life twice, life and life to the fullest. What he is saying is eternal life, which yes, we know about that, and that will be fulfilling and enjoyable and amazing, but also we have a God who says, you're not going to just have a full life then, you're going to have it now. This very moment, you can have life. You can have a relationship with God that continues in eternity, not starts in eternity. It's a moment of saying you can have a full, enjoyable, amazing, <clears throat> eternal, spiritual life right this very moment today. Today. Isn't that hopeful? It's an amazing, incredible hope that I desire all of the time satisfying you know it, it's so satisfying reminds me of lemonade lemonade you guys like lemonade one okay one person my wife i'll give you the ten dollars I, I told you to give you later for that um lemonade is an amazing i think it's delicious it's like reminds me of being a kid because in southern california 
we had an endless supply of lemons. I, I couldn't remember if it was that we had a lemon tree in our backyard or the old couple behind us had a lemon tree, but we were really good friends with them and they always let us take all of their lemons off of their tree. I know for a fact they had one, but we had this endless supply of lemons and being an entrepreneur-minded person, we wanted to make money. So what do you do when you have lemons and you want money? You make lemonade. You uh, create lemonade and then you go sell it on the street corner. This was before social media and everything. Um, so it's not like I had a Yelp. Like I'm, I'm number one on the lemonade stand and the Yelp. Just kidding. That'd be so weird. Uh, but we, we lived on this corner block and we set up a table. And it was my brother, my sister. And my, she really, we just had to have her part of it. She's like five years younger than us. But it was really my brother and I. So we would get like little Dixie cups and we would set up this table, and we would get a big cardboard piece, and we would say, lemonade in big bold letters, 50 cents. 50 cents charge. 50 cents. Killing, by the way. We made about a day on this thing. Every, every day, we had returned customers. We'd repeat customers. And they weren't kids. They were adults. They were people going to work in business suits that would always stop by and say, we really enjoyed your lemonade this morning. We're glad you're here at 3 o'clock as we got off of work. Can we get some more? And the whole key to the success of our lemonade stand was what? It was the recipe for the lemonade, wasn't it? So what does lemonade have? What, it, what does the recipe entail? Only has what? Limes? No, not limes. <laughs> Lemons. I mean, we didn't use the, the pre-built lemonade uh, powder. That stuff is just cheap, nasty. Like, don't go that route. You got to get real lemons, fresh cold water, and sugar. Not Splenda, not Equal, not Sweet and Low, not any guava-related substance. I don't know. There's three ingredients to lemonade. Three. Three. And I was thinking about this, and I'm like, you know what? What's so amazing is that I believe that there's three complete ingredients to a successful full life. I do believe that. By the way, this is not a book title. This isn't like five ways to success. That is not what this is. Just take these steps and think that you apply them to your life and everything will be good for you. That is not the point of this. But I do believe that there are three elements to having a full life. But first, you have to understand, when my brother and my sister and I made the lemonade, we didn't do it by ourselves because we were too young. Who did we have? We had my mom who helped us, who guided us, who taught us, who directed us, who helped and nurtured a, an ability to make a delicious pitcher of lemonade. So what I'm saying is you first have to understand these things cannot happen without the guidance and the direction of God. You first have to have the parent with you. And then you can make a delicious cup of lemonade to have a satisfying life. And the first ingredient of lemonade is lemons, right? Lemons, lemons. You guys tracking with me on this? Sorry, I'm really hot. Up, like it is hot. I feel like I'm in headlights, like a deer in the headlights. Lemons. Delicious, juicy lemons. It's the substance of lemonade. It's the core of lemonade. You cannot have lemonade without lemons. 
It would be ridiculous if someone had tried to sell you lemonade without lemons. It would be impossible. You need the substance. What I'm saying is if you're ever going to have a full life, thank you for turning those lights down. If you're ever going to have a full life, <laughs> you've got to have the substance of God. You have to. You have to. Who's the substance of God? It is Jesus Christ. It says, I came to give you life. I, Jesus Christ, came to give us life. He is the substance of everything that we do. To have a full life, you cannot get past Jesus Christ. It is impossible. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. He is the shepherd, the good shepherd. All of John chapter 10 is about him being the good shepherd. We are who? We are not the shepherd. We are just the sheep. That's it. He tells us where we get food. He tells us where we get water. He tells us where we sleep and where we get protection. It is Jesus. And Matthew 6, 33, it was already up there a minute ago, um, says this, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all will be added to you, right? Seek him, not me, not you, not any human on this planet. Definitely not Elon Musk. That guy is something else. But seek him. Seek Jesus. Jesus. He is the substance. Maybe, maybe you don't feel like you have a full life. Maybe you feel like you've been robbed. Maybe it's because you've been skimping on the lemons. Maybe you've been skimping on the substance of Jesus in your life. And I hope I'm not being rude. I'm glad I'm rude, actually. I hope I pushed you a little bit because if you're not spending time in the substance of lemons with Jesus Christ, you are not going to go very far and have a satisfying life. I promise you on that. I promise. God can heal and restore anything, but you got to go to him first. It takes the substance. It takes seeking his kingdom, his expectations, his character, his desires, his everything. What's the second one, Carlton? Exactly. What's the second ingredient? It's water, isn't it? It's water. You need water to do what? Water, and I love this, water amplifies and spreads and expands the lemon juice, doesn't it? Water itself doesn't necessarily have a, a taste. It's not really meant to be flavorful. It's really not. It takes on the flavor of something else. So the reason why you have water is to expand the taste of lemons, to expand the substance, and that's what water is for. And we are all called to reflect and amplify the life of Christ. You want a full life, you have to reflect and amplify Jesus. And it takes the water of the word and the water of speaking and prayer and having a moment and a relationship and being in him. Does that make sense? It's water. 2 Corinthians 3 says this, verse 18. So all of us who have had that veil removed, meaning like the veil of sin, the veil of old self, um, the veil of death can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. More and more like him. Like I, I picture this, the presence of Jesus, the substance of Jesus. What When we add the, the lemon juice and the water together, I just picture Jesus just stirring it up. 
stirring and, and expanding himself in us just over and over and over and over, expanding the, his, his presence and his strength and his perseverance and his tenacity and his grit and his control, self-control and his resistance from the thief. If you want to resist the thief, if you want to resist the things that are flying at you from the thief, you have to understand and allow Jesus to expand through you. And it takes going to the water of the word of God. It takes going to God's word, his voice, hearing him. That expands the substance in you. That expands the substance in you. To seek his kingdom, his righteousness, and be discipled by Jesus. And there's one more ingredient, right? And I think that we always leave this ingredient out a lot of the time too. Sugar, isn't it? Some of us, a teaspoon, tablespoon, one cup. I say buckets. Why not add buckets of sugar to lemonade? Why not? You know what, what sugar is in this instance? It is the joy that magnifies the sweetness of the lemons. That's what joy, uh, sugar does. It magnifies the sweetness of the lemons. It complements the sweetness of the lemons. What I am saying is that when we seek his kingdom, and we are reflecting and amplifying him, and we are glorifying him, amazing full life comes. We are required and commanded to um, glorify him, aren't we? You're commanded to rejoice. You're commanded to praise. You were, uh, I can't even talk, commanded to have fun and smile. Like it says this, delight yourself in the Lord. How often are you delighting in the Lord? Or are we complaining about the Lord? or complaining about our circumstances, or make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Laugh a little bit. It's okay. Not laugh at inappropriate jokes, but just enjoy life. Laugh about the beauty of things. And then to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, I will say rejoice. Do we rejoice? Why I say we on this is because I believe that we get so stuck in a rut and a funk that we're like, I can't rejoice in my, my circumstance at the moment. I can't do that. Why not? If you have the substance of Christ in you and you have the water in you that is amplifying that substance and filling you with the word of God and the life of God and his Holy Spirit is in you, why not? You know what's so amazing when you rejoice? When you focus on what in your life first, all the other stuff that you want to complain about gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And then you realize, I really don't have it that bad. I really have it pretty good. Like it, it used to be my mom, everybody's mom, I feel like. You know, like grandparents used to always say, I used to walk uphill both ways to school, five miles, all that, in the snow, all the, the five miles in the snow, uphill both ways. And how does that work? My mom always used to say there's like starving people and like, and they, she would name a country if you didn't want to eat your food. <laughs> I don't know why she always did that, but my mom always did that. You know, there's starving people in India right now. Yes, mom, pack up my food and send it to them. I never, <laughs> but, but there is truth in the fact that we are even blessed to be in this country. I don't like the way that we're going as a country but I can say that it is still a blessing to be in this country. 
and it is still a free moment in my life to even have a church and to be a pastor and to be, uh, have the ability to do what I feel led to do. Those are blessings. Those are amazing blessings, and we need to rejoice. To have a full life is to truly make the perfect glass of lemonade. Allow God to do that inside of you. Now, let me pause here for a second. Let me end in a moment. But I want to pause here. Today is Father's Day, right? I'm pretty sure they tell me woke culture would say no. Hey, side note, you know what this month actually is? The real national holiday or national month? Men's Health Month. We got taken. But it's Father's Day. And I was thinking about this in this message. I really feel like this is why God put this on my heart for the past couple weeks is because the people who have felt jaded and robbed and ripped off the most lately, the people I talk to the most, have been men. Been men. And it's not that they're having pity parties. I'm not saying that. But it hurts me. It, it makes me break. Because I would say, culturally, where we're at, men are being robbed left and right now. And they feel so unsatisfied, and they feel so unhurt, or so unhurt, they feel so hurt, and so numb. And I'm not saying everybody's perfect. I'm not, okay, please hear me this. And I'm talking like men who are like amazing men. They're so confused and lost right now. And a part of it is they're like, how am I supposed to talk to my kids about hot topics now? I don't know what's right and wrong now. I mean, when we're saying pedophiles are not guilty, there's a problem. We're so backwards. So how am I supposed to hold uh, to truth and hold to what is right when what is being uh, considered in court and other places is considered right now and it's not wrong now? And I don't know what's right and wrong and left and right. I don't know. We are now lifting up uh, the devil more in our country than Jesus now. And I, I'm hearing men say, I don't even know how to discipline my kids anymore. Man, when I was a kid, spanking was the number one discipline. I had to get my own switch from the tree or the belt or the spoon or whatever it was. It was never in anger. But I can tell you honestly, if I was not spanked back then, I would be screwed up royally. That got me straight. And I'm not... I'm not saying one discipline's right and one discipline's wrong. I'm not. I'm just saying it is confusing for men to know how to discipline because a lot of discipline now, if men do it, is considered wrong and abusive. And I don't even know how to, am I supposed to be masculine or feminine is the question. Am I supposed to be sensitive or not sensitive? Am I supposed to shave or not shave? Am I supposed to wear this or not wear that? Am I allowed to do this? Or am I not allowed to do They're telling me I need to do this over here, but I'm not allowed to do, there, do that over there. Am I just the butt of every joke on TV now? Because I'm a dad? I got to be the idiot? Uh, you know, am I even needed? A lot of men are going through that right now. And a lot of people would say, well, men had their time. That's the stupidest thing in the world. I want to kick those people below the belt. Sorry. 
That's the stupidest thing in the world. Because why do men now deserve something that they never did in the past? Why does my son deserve that? And he was never involved in that. Why does my son never get to celebrate princes on TV and heroes on TV and men and how to be a gentleman? Instead, he's always like, well, everyone's telling me I should be a princess? Because that's what TV's telling him. So Disney's telling him. I hope Disney's watching. <laughs> but my whole thing is, here's why I believe I should say this. Men, dads, boys, please do not believe the lies of the thief that come from the media and come from culture. Amen. Please don't believe it. Please. If you know, if you, not just dads today, it's harder to be a dad now than ever. You're needed just as much now than ever before. Dads are needed. Men are needed to step in in the place where there are no dads. We need men. We need them to be masculine. We need them to be leaders. We need them to be the men that God had called them to be. There's a place for them. Just like there's a place for moms and women. There's a place for both sides. That's what drives me nuts about our stupid country. We go to the extreme. It's one way one time, and then all of a sudden we think what is right is shooting way to the other side. And that is not the right way. Why not go to the middle and say, let's all be partners and live side by side and, and thrive together? Where we are, God built women for specific things and built men for specific things to cohabitate and work beautifully together, like puzzle pieces. But the world wants to jack all that up and get it skewed. And so my whole point, you're more now, you're more needed now than ever before, 100%. For those that are dads, those that are not, you can still be an influence now. There's young men now that don't have the fatherly influence, but are looking at other men around them and asking, is that how I act? Is that how I, I should be? People are always watching. I think people are watching men more than women. And how are you going to be? And most of the time, they actually are watching to see, are you going to screw up? think you're going to mess up? Maybe. But regardless, we're still called to live above reproach. We're called to live sacrificially as Christ. We're, we're not Christ. It's Christ in us that lives. So my whole point in that, please, I promise you, seek Jesus first. His kingdom, his glory, his everything. Let him be reflected in you. Grow in him. Read your Bibles, men. Get into the word of God, pray, and in doing that, I could promise you the voices of the culture and the media will get quieter and quieter and quieter. I promise. That's the Father's Day message that I felt like talking about for a moment. All of this applies to everybody. And you can never have a full, satisfying life without Jesus Christ. It is impossible. That's the challenge. Where are you at? Where do you exist? Where is your full life? Are you jaded, numb, whatever it is, unsatisfied, or are you living a full life? And if you don't feel like you're living in the full life, are you being robbed? Have a conversation with God. 
What do you need to get back on track? What do you need to do? And don't give up. Please don't ever give up. But seek his kingdom, his righteousness, be amplified by him, and thank him even for the little things that he is doing in you, even if you don't see it. I'm thankful I even have breath today in my lungs. Let me pray. God, thank you for speaking today. Thank you for touching our hearts. Thank you for your Holy Spirit being in this place. I pray for every single person here. I pray that they experience life that only comes from you, Jesus. I pray that they seek your substance through your word, through your, your, uh, your voice, through conversation with you, with being around people that love you just as much. I pray that they seek you. And I pray that you give them the strength and the weapons to fight against the enemy, to fight against the thief that wants to steal everything from them and want them to give up and, and take everything from them. I pray that you keep them strong and self-controlled to fight against those things. And I pray too, Lord, that they thank you. I pray that they, they give you praise and they give you honor and they, they seek to, to amplify you every day. And for dads, let them see how big of a blessing it is to be a father. Let them see how amazing it is to have kids. Let them enjoy their kids every day, not just today, but every day. And help men see that they are needed in this culture. They are needed in this world. But to live as Christ, to be examples of Christ, you've made men for a purpose and a reason. And I pray that you give them the ability to push through, to not Listen to the lies of the media and culture that we have at the moment. Lord, we love you and we give you praise for everything that you are doing in this place and in our lives. In your name we pray, amen.